Thank you for that. Warm welcome. Please, uh, please stand and sing along with us. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks by night, behold throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed the Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born and brought us God's salvation that blessed Christmas morn. So go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. So go tell it on the mountain, over the Jesus Christ is born, that Jesus Christ is born. Well, amen, and Merry Christmas to you all, and welcome to Northside Baptist Church this morning. Uh, we've got a few more people on this side than this side, so if you want to space out, make the church not wobble so much, you could do that. Uh, but it's good to see everybody this morning. And I uh, hope you had a Merry Christmas, got to spend time with, with family and everything. But uh, at this time, if you will uh, find somebody and wish them uh, continued a Merry Christmas and uh, a good wrap-up to uh, 2021, uh, but just uh, greet each other this morning and welcome one another. Last chance this year.
All right, just say hi to everybody. Oh, come. 
His resurrection, His life here on earth, and uh, the ultimate sacrifice uh, that He gave. Dear God, help us to uh, to not hurry through the day and hurry through this hour, uh, dear God, but just to uh, to bask in in the greatness and, and the wonder uh, of this child uh, and this gift, uh, this ultimate gift that You gave to us. Yes. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. guest keyboard player here today. That's awesome. Good deal. Uh, just a couple of things I wanted to draw your attention to in the bulletin. Uh, if you are visiting with us today, uh, if, if you flip to kind of the back panel, uh, there's a connection card. You can use a QR code there. You can use your phone. Just let us know about your visit and um, uh, is that way we, we're not collecting a lot of information about you. Just love to hear uh, that you came to visit us today. So uh, the other thing I wanted to bring your attention to is uh, right there in the middle. Our Lottie Moon goal was 7,500. And uh, as of today, uh, $9,897 has been given. So <laughs> praise the Lord for that. I didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't see exactly. 
the number, but I know we, we passed the goal, so praise the Lord. And I don't remember the math about what, how many bows per dollar that was, but the tree's full of bows, so good, good. So uh, we've been showing videos uh, throughout the month, just IMB videos about how um, Lottie Moon offering is working uh, in our missionaries all over the world. We have one today from uh, Johnny and Donna Moss. They are IMB missionaries. Uh, so our part of uh, what we give to the IMB goes to them. And it's special because they visited us here in August. Uh, we've kind of adopted them and par are partnering them uh, in Ecuador uh, to share the gospel. So this is a little bit longer than one of our normal videos, but it just kind of talks about their ministry there, and we thought it'd be good to show that today. So let's go. strategy here is relationships. It's, we look for anything we can do to form friendships, relationships with people, to get to know them. We do a lot of uh, community development projects and getting to know people in a, in a non-religious way, you might say, in order to, to get to know them. Um, and through those relationships, after they learn to trust us, we start sharing the gospel. And these relationships are the bridge that we use to get to get the gospel to them. And, and we've seen great results with that. It's been our primary way of, of working. The world's getting dark by the day. I'm on my knees but don't know what to pray. The broken things that broken people do. My name is Johnny Moss. I'm an IV missionary in Esmeraldas, Ecuador. We're working with the Afro-Ecuadorian people group. It's the Afro-Ecuadorian people group here in Ecuador, and it's about it's a little over a million people, according to the most recent census. And we have uh, chosen to work with, with this people group, and, and uh, they're, they're under two percent reach. So we're we're trying to plant churches in the area, and, and we've chosen an area to reach people that they really need the gospel. As we look at the missionary task, there's six different aspects of the missionary task, and so we, we've got to work to different aspects. Our, our work extends from the beginning interest level all the way to, to leadership development and, and, and healthy church planting. And basically, anytime you get people together in a group, it's a chance to share the gospel. And we find that so much more effective than going door to door and knocking, and sit, knocking on the door and say, hi, do you know Jesus? because you've got to you got to get the bridge there so you get to where they are because they're not there yet. We've seen six different church starts here. There's all the information still. We don't have a church yet that's recognized by the government. To do that, you need about 30 members that are uh, of age to be recognized by the government. So uh, we're still in that process of planting churches and, and most of our groups are small, under under 20 people that are regularly attending, uh, adults that are regularly attending. But we are we've started two new groups just this past year. So as we as we look at our strategy and trying to get bridge from us to reach the unreached people, trying to form bridges between Christians and non-Christians so that they can that they can listen to us and hear what we're trying to say. Uh, we, we encourage teams to come get involved. When teams come down, they teach classes. It can be a class on how to, how to keep bees or business practices 
or digital photography using your, your phone and just invite people to that and in the class they hear the gospel and then we can do follow up on that. So we have a number of uh, churches that come to partner with us in the area. We have different churches that target different communities. And each of our, each of the churches or uh, associations that comes down targets a specific community in our area. And they keep going back to that same community, developing relationships with those people, and, and getting to know that community well. And so that, that has been a, a huge factor in, in getting us into the communities, is these groups that come in and work alongside of us. And the way people can support us and be a part of making these bridges, there are, there are different ways. One way is you can pray for us. You can pray for us, you can pray for the people we serve, um, you can pray for the teams that come down and serve with us, you can pray for our families. And another way is you can be a part of a team that comes down. We have newer teams that come down and they are a very important part of our strategy. We cannot do what we do without the volunteers that come. And of course, another way, the third way you can help is by your gifts to the Proctor Program and the Lighting Christmas offering. Because without your financial support, we would not be here. Thank you. No rescue so relentless, no greater love than this. Where sin leaves a canyon, your love builds a bridge. Awesome to see a familiar face in, in one of the videos and to, and to think about our Lottie Moon offering uh, going to uh, work that we're very familiar with. So if you'll please stand and we'll sing one more song together. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came. Certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Now to the Lord sing praises, are ye within this place and with true love and brotherhood each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas all others doth deface oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy, oh, time. 
you. You may be seated. you praise team I do hope that all of us uh, had a great Christmas time good time with family and it is great to see you all here together see the family see our uh, church family here together this morning so um, when Pastor Aaron uh, asked me to speak I thought it would be a good opportunity um, to talk a little bit more about our what's going on in Ecuador so just a little bit more information uh, for you guys um, so you can be praying um, in the video uh, with uh, the Most, Johnny mentioned that they um, work with churches who send teams down to work in different communities. And they have six church plants currently. Um, I'm excited because uh, you can see behind me there on the screen, um, Peñas Blancas, which is the one on your left. Uh, that guy's name is Jonathan. He is the president of Peñas Blancas. Really, he's like the mayor. The community has about 400 people, so he doesn't have a real big presidential campaign to get elected. But um, anyway, so they have a small work going on there, and there are a couple of churches going with us when we go down there that are going to be working with Peñas Blancas. The other two communities, Cabuyal is the one in the middle, and the guy in the wheelchair, his name is Philemon, so it's just like Philemon in your Bible, so it's spelled with an F but Philemon, uh, he's the president of Cabuyal. As far as we know, there, is no, there are no believers there. Uh, and so he is, we visited him back in February, and he's met with Johnny a couple of times and really is looking forward to us coming back. He's asked us to come back. So that's an open door to share the gospel uh, and to work with them. So I'm excited about that. And on the other end is Ellie Din. Uh, and the two there, Carla is actually the president. That's who Johnny is, is sharing actually from the book of Luke uh, with right there. And Domingo is her husband. He's standing there. They're at a bus stop there in Ellie Den. Uh, we visited them. They've invited us to come back. And again, there's about 400 people in that community. And as far as we know, there are no believers. So it's an exciting open door to go back. So be praying for that. Um, I wanted to put them up there so you know how to spell it, you kind of know how to say it, and you can put a face with where we're going. So I would ask you to be in prayer for that. Um, this morning, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So as you're turning there, um, this is a letter, I'll give you a little bit of introduction on the area there in Thessalonica, in the church in Thessalonians. Um, this is a letter from Paul to a young church who faced a world not friendly to their faith. In fact, it's, it's, uh, it may be the first letter from Paul that's in the Bible. Some scholars say Galatians is the first one. Some say uh, this one, First uh, Thessalonians is the first one. Either way, it's an early letter from Paul first one to the European Christians, for sure, that's in the Bible. Um, Thessalonica had about 200,000 people living there when Paul and his team um, arrived on the scene. Uh, it was the second largest city in Greece. It's still an important city 
uh, in Greece. It was culturally diverse. There were Romans, uh, Greeks, and there were enough Jews there to have a synagogue. So um, very diverse city. Uh, one of the commentators I was reading, his name is Mark Howell. He describes Thessalonica in this way. Uh, the city was full of people who were overwhelmed with real struggles and desperately needed a life-changing encounter with a real God. The Greeks filled the temples, the Jews attended the synagogue, and the Romans paid homage to Caesar. But a pervasive spiritual darkness covered the city. Another guy, uh, Gene Green, and I really like that name, Gene Green. But anyway, um, he said this about the Thessalonians. Uh, he said the Thessalonians were afloat in a great sea of religious pluralism and confusion. So that sounds a little bit like our culture today. Um, Thessalonica was situated on the Via Ignatia, which was the interstate of the ancient world. It, con it connected Western Rome, um, the Roman Western part of the Roman Empire with the Eastern part of the Roman Empire. It was a major road. So that's where they were situated and there was a prominent seaport there. So it was a center of trade and commerce and it's where land and sea routes met. So there were people coming in and out all the time. Um, it was strategically located and the sovereignty of God brought Paul and his team there uh, on, the se on their second missionary journey. So if you would stand as we uh, read God's word, we're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and we'll read verses 1 through 7. Paul, Savanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because God, our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know of what, what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us in the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Let's pray together. Lord, just thank you um, for another week to celebrate your birth, to come together, to celebrate the fact that you're with us. We thank you for your presence uh, with us, Lord. Just to be with us as we look at your word this morning, as Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, um, pray that we would each um, see what you have to say uh, in this book of Thessalonians. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I didn't mention it, but I think they've already gone. The kiddos were, it was time to go to children's church. So if you haven't gone, it's our pre-K is what we're having this morning. So um, if nobody has gone yet, you can go now. Verse 1 mentions Silvanus and Timothy. We might know Silvanus better as Silas. Uh, he and uh, Paul, if you remember, they were cellmates there in Philippi, and they... Um, in the Philippian jail, and they met the Philippian jailer there. Um, you can read about that back in Acts 16 and uh, on into 17, how they came to Thessalonians. They, it was about 100 miles from Philippi, 
to Thessalonica. And so that, uh, right after they left Philippi, they went here. Um, they spent some time with the Thessalonians. They got to know them. They cared about them. They shared the gospel with them. A church started there, and then they, uh, they left. But uh, they were always thinking about them. Paul wanted to go back. He was hindered. So he sent Timothy back to check in on them, to minister them, to make sure the church was doing okay. Timothy returns with an encouraging report. Um, This church is going through persecution, but they're standing strong and they have a good reputation in the surrounding area. So Paul writes this letter of Thessalonians uh, to the church there. And I believe in this book, as you read it, you really see the heart of Paul the missionary. You can see that in um, what he says, especially chapters in verses in chapters two and three. Uh, we see about um, his love for them like a father. Um, he expresses how he misses the people. If you look over in chapter two, verse 17, he says, but since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with a great desire to see you face to face. So you can see how he really misses the people. As you read on into chapter 3, you see his pastoral shepherd's heart for them. Uh, John Stott says this um, of 1 Thessalonians. He says, in these chapters, perhaps more than anywhere else in his letters, Paul discloses his mind, expresses his emotions, and bears his soul. And I think we see the heart of the missionary in chapter 1 in our verses as well. Um, We see that he's praying for them. He's thankful for them. Uh, Let's look in verse 3 what he is thankful for. It says, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see faith, love, and hope together. Um, have we seen those together anywhere else in Paul's writings? I think we see them in what, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love. He also talks about faith and hope there. Um, you can see it in Colossians 1. He puts them together there, Colossians 1, 4, and 5. Uh, in the book of Romans. Uh, and even Peter mentions these three together in 1 Peter 1, 22. Um, so, um, These three are linked together. Warren Wearsby says that faith, love, and hope are three cardinal cardinal virtues of the Christian life. These spiritual qualities are bound together and can only come from God. So what does Paul say about faith? He says, remembering your work of faith. Um, As I was reading some of the commentaries on this, there was kind of two opinions on this. Uh, One was, um, this was your work produced by faith or faithful service. Um, The book of James talks about this. It says, faith without works is dead. Genuine faith produces works. We serve the Lord out of of genuine faith. Um, But we have to remember that these acts of service do not save us. Um, Salvation is by grace through faith, but they are evidence of our true faith. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepares beforehand that we should walk in them. So God's got something for each of us to do. We've got to make sure that we are serving him and we're doing what he has us to do. Um, other commentaries say that since the word work here is singular, it's not talking about works that we do or we perform, um, that he may be talking about the change that comes into the life of every believer as a result of our faith. The Holy Spirit works in us and transforms us from the inside out. And what did this look like for the Thessalonians? Uh, if you look down in verse 9, it says, they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. The believers in Thessalonians were called to turn from their sin, uh, from their idol worship, or from the legalism of Judaism, or from one of the other pagan religions that were, were certainly there. And the gospel penetrated their hearts, and it transformed their lives. Um, so Jesus calls us to follow him. We stop going our way, and we go his way. Uh, and when Christ is the ruler of your life, he'll change things. So either way Paul means it, um, the faith of the Thessalonians is a visible faith. It's working, and others are noticing. We can't keep our faith to ourselves. People should see it in our lives as we live every day. He also mentions love here. He says, uh, the labor, your labor of love. The word for labor here is kopos. It's hard work that produces fatigue, even exhaustion. And the word for love here, we know that it's agape, which is sacrificial, unconditional love. So the love they have is intentional, and it is willing to go the distance. I think we all have uh, realized from time to time that serving the Lord is not always easy. Um, whether you're an Awana worker or a deacon or someone who helps in the sound booth, or whatever it is you find uh, yourself doing serving the Lord. Um, it can be hard work, but we serve him because we love him. It's not for other people to notice. If somebody doesn't notice us and we're doing something for him, it's, it's okay because we're doing it for him. Um, again, verse 9 says, they serve the living and true God. So we serve, work hard, and endure, for we are in the Lord's service. And then hope. He says they have a steadfastness of hope. This steadfastness means patience. Um, they remain. They are enduring. They have fortitude. Um, it is long-suffering perseverance for hard times. In the Phillips translation, um, the end of verse 3, he puts it like this. He translates it like this. The hope that you have in our Lord Jesus Christ means sheer dogged endurance in the life that you live before God. So this hope we have, it's not a wish. It's not, man, I hope this happens. It's not something we hope for but we don't know will happen. It is certain because the object of our hope is Jesus Christ. People put their hope in a lot of things, um, put it in a politician, they put their hope in their jobs, um, their bank account, even their friends. Uh, but at some point, all of these are going to fail us. Um, but Jesus never will. So biblical hope 
is focused on Jesus and the promise of eternal life with him. And the Thessalonian church had an unshakable confidence in the Lord regardless of their circumstances. As you read more about this church, they are undergoing persecution. Paul, um, it kind of followed Paul while he was there. And the world they live in is not friendly to their faith. And so they are undergoing persecution, but they're standing strong. And even the word, as we'll see, is, is ringing out from them. Um, so they have unshakable hope, even in the worst circumstances. In Hebrews 6, hope is uh, described as an anchor. It holds firm and secure. It's sure and steadfast. So our hope, our hope is in Jesus Christ and the certainty of his return and our security of eternal life with him. That's what we have our, our hope based in. That's what keeps us going. So Paul is thankful for these qualities in the Thessalonican church. We can see more into the heart of the missionary Paul as we, uh, as we look at a few more verses. Go worth looking at verses 4 to 7. He recounts his time there among the, the people of Thessalonica. He says, We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. He says, And you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and the Lord and received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So Paul came, they shared the word. They didn't just do it one day a week. They lived among them. They showed them how to live. The people there received the word. They saw how Paul and his team lived among them. They imitated them as they followed Christ. And then now they are an example uh, to others around them. So um, it says they're an example in Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia is the, kind of the area they're in, there in Thessalonica. Achaia is like the next province over. Um, maybe like springing out from here over to Alabama or Mississippi or something like that. So. And what was the message they received from Paul was the gospel. Uh, in Acts 17, where we can read about how Paul came to the, the, um, this church, verses 2 and 3 says, He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, This Jesus, who I proclaim to you, is the Christ. So Paul used the Old Testament scriptures to share the gospel with the folks there in Thessalonica. And he didn't just talk about the scriptures. It says he reasoned from the scriptures. So he went back in the Old Testament and took them through it and talked about, wasn't just stories. All, this, all the things in the Old Testament point to the Messiah coming. And then he explained to them how Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Uh, he must suffer and raised from the dead. Um, Paul used the word of God to declare the son of God. And then the spirit of God used the word to generate faith. That's the message. That's the message of the missionary. That's the message we take uh, when we work down there with Johnny Most. Christ died for us. 
He is the Messiah. He rose again. He's the answer. He will forgive us from our sins. A lot of people are afraid to tell someone else about the good news of the gospel. It's not easy to do, to, to go up to somebody and start talking about it. But really, it's your story. You can start with your story. How, were, how did you come to faith in Christ? Was there a Bible verse that convicted you of sin? Was there a Bible verse that led you to believe? Use that. It's God's word. Um, our job is to share the message. The Spirit will convict of sin. Uh, his by his power, the gospel will penetrate someone's heart. So we just share the message. This is God's word. So this is, this is all we need. God's word is sufficient. Uh, Romans 1.16 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So Paul and his team came to Thessalonica. They shared the gospel. To put it another way, the gospel succinctly, Paul puts this in another letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4 says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the message Paul and his team took to the people of Thessalonica. And he says here, it wasn't just words, but there was power. The Holy Spirit took those words and convicted their hearts. He didn't just come with a motivational speech. He didn't come with words to make himself, himself and his team look good. Uh, he taught them from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus is King. And then the Holy Spirit worked in their lives to produce supernatural change. Paul also talks about, in addition to the message, he talks about the way they lived among the people. Uh, he didn't just uh, one day a week share the message. He lived, it, he lived it out among them so they could see how he lived. Um, if you look over in chapter 2, verse 8, he puts it this way. He says, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Other translations say, share our own lives. He shared his life with them um, for the time he was there. Um, and it was effective. The people received the word, uh, and the spirit transformed them, and a church formed, and it was a church that was enduring persecution and a church that was sharing the gospel with those around them. Their reputation uh, was going out from there to other provinces. What was their reputation? Well, we looked at uh, the faith, hope, and love that they have. In faith, they turned from God to idols. Uh, in love, they served the living God. And in hope, they lived in light of Christ's return and they were enduring persecution. You know, the gospel is transformational. It will change your life, but it's also counter-cultural. Um, if we're doing what we should be doing and standing for the truth, presenting the gospel, and calling people to repent, we are not going to be popular. But we have to remain faithful. We have to stay alert. We need to know what the word of God says. And more than ever, we need to stay 
grounded and focused in his word and not keep it to ourselves. We need to be sharing it with others. The church at Thessalonica was living in expectation of the return of Christ. They were enduring persecution and they were spreading the word to the world around them. One more thing about this church. Let's look in verse 8. And I think this is really the application for us today. It says, For not only has the word of the Lord soundeth forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. They had received the word. They had received the message. But they were not just receivers. They were transmitters as well. They were the, uh, the word there sounded forth, other translations say it rang out. Uh, that comes from the root word echo. It can mean to sound loudly like, like a trumpet or ring uh, like a bell or boom like thunder. So the gospel went out loudly from Thessalonica to the world around them. When you think about it, they were a, a young church. They may not have had a formal mission strategy. They probably didn't have a mission and evangelism team. Um, but look where they were. They were there on the Via Ignatia. There were people coming through. Traders were coming through all the time. Important commerce city. Travelers came through there all the time. So for all of these people, they were shining a light. They were sharing the gospel. People could see the, their faith. People heard the message of the gospel. And they took it with them on their journeys out from Thessalonica. And because of this, this church had an impact on their world. Other churches in the area are hearing about it. People are talking about their faith and it is encouraging other believers. And the gospel is spreading. So this morning, uh, I had a question for us to think about. As we uh, talk about a couple of points of application here, um, just a question for us. Does the church today have an impact on our culture? I read something this week. Um, it's from Pew Research. So this is one of those uh, research groups, a religious research group that just tries to get the, the pulse of where um, we're at in America on things regarding religion. And it says 29% of Americans call themselves religiously unaffiliated. So that means almost one in three claim no association with religion of any kind. Uh, so their worldview is shaped by humanism, secularism, social media, entertainment, or who knows what. But it's certainly not the church or the Bible. One in three, that's uh, one in three of the people we, we come in contact with. Uh, and I was reading this, and, and Buck Birch, who is a uh, mission strategist for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, he had made this comment. He said, these are people the church can't simply attract with changes in style or programming. They need a change of heart. And 
It's the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit that can change their hearts. It's not going to be the church trying to make ourselves look different, make ourselves more attractive. It's going to be the church sharing the gospel and the Holy Spirit changing their hearts. I've heard this a lot this year, probably more than, more than ever. I've heard this. I, Jesus is coming soon. I mean, I think we, we look around us, and I think it's true, but I've heard that a lot. But if that's true, and we really believe that, uh, we're going to have a sense of urgency to impact those around us with the message of the gospel. We should be involved and intentional about taking this message to our community and all the way to the ends of the earth. So just a couple of uh, words of application, just a couple of words to think about. First one is receive. Have you received the message of the gospel? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. We've all sinned. We all deserve judgment, but the good news for you and me is that Christ made a way. If we repent of our sins and believe, trust in him, make him the Lord of our life, he can save us. The other word I want us to think about is transmit. The church that receives the gospel must pass it on. In Thessalonians, Paul is clear. The gospel came to them, they welcomed it, and then it rang out from them loudly. It made a difference. From here at Northside to downtown Noonan, it's 6.9 miles. Is the gospel ringing out loudly from here, 6.9 miles down to Noonan? Since I did that, I decided to make it personal. For me, where I work... From my house to where I work is about 42 miles, Norcross. It is the gospel ringing out loudly 42 miles from my house to Norcross. It's the gospel ringing out loudly where you work, where you spend your time. The message we transmit is the gospel. We're to take it to the ends of the earth. The last word I want us to think about this morning is hope. You know, I don't know what... We're here at the cusp of a new year. I don't know what 2020, was it 2022? Not easy to say. What 2022 is going to hold. I don't think any of us knew what 2020 or 2021 was going to hold either. So things may get more difficult. Who knows? But if our hope is not in Jesus Christ, it will not endure. Leon Morris says this about our enduring hope. It is not a quiet, passive resignation, but an active constancy in the face of difficulties. You don't curl up in the corner and hope things will get better. You press on with confidence in the living God, and the assurance of your salvation, and the certainty of your future in Christ. We can have hope because we are certain of the promises of Jesus Christ. And this hope in Jesus should make us joyful and it should change the way we live. So just something to think about as we move into the new year. Um, no matter what our circumstances, let's live for Christ in light of the hope we have in him. 
and knowing that he is coming soon, let's have a sense of urgency about sending out the message of the gospel. And let's invest in others for the sake of Jesus. Appreciate your attention this morning. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for the hope we have in you. So many around us have fear. They fear death. They fear the future. Or they're just wishing things would get better. But Lord, we can be certain of what you've promised. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus who died for us. Thank you for the living hope we have in him. Lord, I just thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll please stand. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of Has no
or you want to, if you would like to know how to have that assurance of that hope, I'll be up here and can talk to you. Um, but thanks again for being here. I hope you guys have a happy new year. It's coming up right on the corner. Uh, and our deacon of the week is Mike Edson, and he's going to come up and close the service. Well, folks, if you know me and my past, I can't just walk up here and have a prayer. I have to take an opportunity to take the microphone and say a few things. And the one that hits me today is I want to say this in front of you and God and everybody. How much all you volunteers at this church mean not only to me but to the whole congregation. Our volunteers from the praise band to the choir to the nursery workers, the, the whole works, the fields. If we don't have volunteers, we don't really spread the word near as efficiently and proficiently as we should. And I want to thank God for you volunteers because you carry the word of God with you every time you volunteer, and there's a lot of hard work behind all that. Now we can get to the prayer. <laughs> You'll pray with me. Lord, we do thank you for the volunteers here that uh, seem to be more abundant than uh, many, many churches around, and uh, your word is carried through their actions. Thank you just like for Mark, for 
having the sermon today that we could hear your message through him. We thank you for the birth of your son, what it meant to us and means to us to give us hope, joy, and salvation because of the way you set all that up. We thank you for the family unit and the celebrations that were done yesterday and as in our family, we're going to celebrate together today. Just thank you for Christmas time. We thank you for hope and joy and all the good things that you have given and will give us. Be with us now as we leave this building and help us to continue to celebrate the good news. Like uh, words of the song said, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ was born he lives, and we should serve you, Lord. Thank you for all that you do. For us in Christ's name I pray. Amen.